It's Monday, July 19th, and we have tomatoes with Village Garden. There's hunting and dinner at the preserve at Dundee, and Royal Pig is back. Welcome to Eat It, Virginia. Hello and welcome to Eat It, Virginia, voted second best podcast in the city of Richmond. My name is Scott Wise, and I am joined, as always, by my friend, my friend, Roby Martin. Roby, I have an important question for you. Oh, gosh. Okay. If we are the second best podcast in Richmond, I believe the number one podcast in Richmond is not food-related at all. Should I change the, the intro of the show to say that we're the number one food podcast in Richmond? I like where your head is, Scott. I like it a lot. Number one podcast hosted by Roby Martin and Scott Wise. Are you feeling it, Roby? <laughs> Do you feel that... that that sense in the air right now. Do you know what we've just entered this week? Well, I have been in it for a little bit now. So you have just made a small interest. Yes. It's hot tomato summer. I was hoping you were going to sing. It's hot tomato summer. Keep it up, Scott. So I'm actually really excited about this hot tomato summer, Scott. You know this, right? So like it starts today, goes through the 25th, right? It's an actual thing. Yeah, like, I guess maybe we should explain. Yeah, I, I think we should explain this. So yes. Duke's Mayonnaise and Tomatoes. Yes. Multiple restaurants around the city. And for, for full disclosure, they are sponsoring this podcast. They are. They, well, I mean, I, I, I feel like I've reached a goal in life that I'm being sponsored by Duke's Mayonnaise and Tomatoes. <laughs> like, life, life I didn't know good. that I wanted that, but I wanted it. <laughs> I mean. At first you so, don't know, but now you know. Yep, so good. So here's some cool things. Like, I don't know. Um, so, okay. So here's how it's going to go down. Essentially, Ruby is all over the place. She is so excited right now. <laughs> I, know, I, can, I cannot connect any thoughts. <laughs> like, take, a, take a, brief namaste, a brief namaste breath. Tell the folks about Hot Tomato Summer, Ruby. In with the good air, out with the good air. All right, here we go. So 10 restaurants multiple tomato dishes you and i are going to compete i think it's a or competition collaborate. well no i think it's a competition <laughs> i think it's a competition because there's a a, a trophy perhaps a, a, a sash, a sash. A sash yeah. i might be told at the end so, i want you to walk around like a pageant king and wave your hands elbow elbow wrist wrist tell the folks at home how exactly we are competing so between the two of us in the next week Whoever eats the most tomatoes from the participating restaurants, which are places like Lunch and Supper, Saison, Burner Pass, Union Market, ZZQ. So some really great Millie's, some really great restaurants in Richmond that are producing dishes with local tomatoes like Village Garden, who's going to be on the podcast here shortly. So we can talk about their tomatoes and where you can get those and what type they are, are producing tomato dishes. And Scott and I are going to try and eat all of them. Yes. But all I have to do is eat one more dish than Scott does. So you guys, hashtag Roby Martin wins tomato, hot tomato summer. <laughs> you know that scene in Willy Wonka where the girl eats the, the gum and like she goes through the whole like uh, meal? You familiar with what I'm talking about? Yes, at I do. End, she turns into a blueberry and they roll her out. That's what I'm going to look like at the end of this week. A big You're red You're going to look like tomato. a tomato? A big red tomato. I'm do you know how I'm good tomatoes excited. are for you? You know, and I, I realize we're sponsored by, I mean, I eat a lot of Duke's mayonnaise. Let me tell you that. <laughs> that, that much I do. I don't eat a ton of tomatoes generally in my normal like day to day. So I'm, I'm excited to try all these different tomato dishes. And hopefully at the end of 
this hot tomato summer, hashtag hot tomato summer, I will have a newfound appreciation for tomatoes. I'm, I'm sincerely looking forward to that because I realize that they're very healthy for me and I sh something I should be eating more of. So I would like to talk about one, all of the dishes look amazing, but I do need to talk about one specific restaurant where Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday have some of the most, I don't know, it's pretty creative and I like a creative tomato slash mayonnaise dish. Are you ready for this? I want to hear all about it. So your true favorite ice cream person, Rubia, mm -hmm. who has been on this podcast. She has. She, she is making Duke's mayonnaise ice cream with pound cake, tomato jam, Duke's mayonnaise chocolate cake, and a tomato watermelon sorbet. I mean, I like all of those things individually. I've never had them all together in one delicious concoction, but I am super looking for, I might just park myself at Ruby Scoops for the week and eat all of her tomato dishes every day and then beat you in this contest. I, I, I really think that you have a case there. I'm, 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 I would like to virtually high five you for that thought. So if you want to do anything regarding tomatoes for this next week with Duke's mayonnaise, if you hit dukesmayo.com slash hot tomato summer, yeah. you can see all of the spots that are doing it here in Richmond and join us. Scott and I are going to be hashtagging hot tomato summer all over eat it Virginia. So if you would actually physically like to join us, please do. Scott loves to eat with people. We're going to keep score. So maybe you guys can keep score with us. Oh, maybe, maybe someone can, can beat us and they can take our sash. Are we going to tally it by tomato emojis? Oh, that's a great idea. We should definitely do that. You're welcome. You can have it. You can say it's yours. A couple other things coming up, Scott, before we hit the Village Garden Lovely Peoples for interview. We have the Preserve at Dundee, which is out in Mannequin Sabbath, really. Um, they have started essentially, I don't know if you're familiar with Dinner in the Field. I've done that before. This will look very similar to it, except you'll be on an upland hunting preserve. They have like several acres of farmland and lots of upland bird hunting that they do. And they've decided to make this whole preserve, which was once a family owned house and um, farm into a space where people can go and have a luscious outdoor dinner. I am not a hunter, Ruby. I'm a gatherer. So what is, what <laughs> yes, is, up, what is upward? You said upward? Upland. Bird. Upland. Is that a type of bird? Um, just birds that fly up. No, I don't know what they are either. <laughs> so Kelly Tadlock of Provisions Gourmet or Gourmet Provisions, it's new, is going to do the cooking for this that's happening on Wednesday night. You can go if you'd like. Um, it's a, it's gonna it's gonna be gorgeous. I'm gonna post a bunch of pictures on Edith Virginia so you guys can see and then be a part of the next one, which I believe is gonna actually include Walter Bundy, who, if you don't know, does a lot of upland bird hunting. Maybe he can come on and tell we us exactly ask him about what it. that means. For yes, sure. we're a food podcast, not a hunting podcast. No, guys. no, no, no. You were asking me about hunting, and what did I tell you? I said my hunting you're is a gatherer. You said you were a gatherer. At the grocery store, yes. That's my hunting. <laughs> so you're hunting. Hun you hunt for frozen chicken pants. One of these days on the podcast, I'll tell you the story about how I put a fishing hook through my thumb and ended up in the I've heard there. this story and I think it's um not safe for podcasts. <laughs> is that something that it can be? So it wasn't safe for me that day. <laughs> 
NSFP. Um, what else did you want to hit before we uh, invite our guests from the tomato farm on? So Vanna V, I don't, um, you know, is he's has Royal Pig, which once was a pop up, and now is going to be at Hatch. That Hatch Cafe is like having all sorts of fun stuff happen out there um, in the old. What is the name of that area that it's Manchester. Sits in? Yes, Manchester. Manchester. But no, the old Clopton Sightworks. Yes, that's what it is. Anyway, it's out there. It's a beautiful kitchen space that they have. And Royal Pig is doing Cambodian food, which we don't have a lot of in Richmond. It's pretty delicious. I went to the second one ever many years ago and thought to myself, this is, is great. So they're popping up for a bit over at Hatch. Kind of cool. I think our next step is to chat with David and Barbara from Village Garden. I'm excited Ryan's tomatoes are going really, really well this season, and we can't figure out why. Yeah, I would like to hear all the tomato tips. Like, what is the best tomato for a tomato sandwich? What is their favorite tomato? I have some embarrassing things I need to admit to them when we talk, so I'm looking forward to Oh, gosh, I'm to looking forward to this. Things. What can be embarrassing about tomatoes? Oh, you just wait. <laughs> Hey, there we are. Now we see ah. and we hear him. Yay. Yay. How are you doing, sir? We're doing great. How are you, Scott? Doing very well. Very, very well. Hi, Roby. How are you? I'm so good. How are you? We're doing okay. We're, we're faring okay with, uh, with all the challenges this time of year. It's kind of crazy. We're trying to keep the tomatoes growing a little higher than the weeds, you know? <laughs> I bet. I bet all that rain. This eye is looking at you, but it don't see nothing. Oh, wait, you've had um, eye surgery. I did, I did. I, I passed out due to heat stroke and woke up across two rows of tomatoes about 7 a.m. one morning. I was, uh, we had a huge aphid issue this year. And so I was spraying Castile soap and uh, the heat just got the better of me. I don't know how long I was passed out, but I hit my head <clears throat> and, um, it took me about three weeks to go do anything about it. Um, I didn't really realize what was going on until my vision started to get a lot worse. It just started with floaters, but I detached my retina in two places in my left eye. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was, it was not fun. And then after the, do you know about this surgery? It's the craziest thing ever. No, I don't know. <laughs> well, um, they, they put this like toothpick size thing in your oh, eye God, stop, and then stop. they suck all the fluid out of it. So it's like this little skin sack. And then they get in there and they, they cauterize your, uh, your, uh, tears. Oh, but then God. the weird part is they pump it back up with gas. So I have a gas bubble in my eye that I can't really see through. Oh, gosh. And that gas bubble, the gas bubble pushes your retina down. You have to spend, uh, the next, uh, seven days on your face. And How do you do that? It ain't, it ain't easy nor fun. Is it one of those yeah, massage chairs you used to sit in like forward? Well, yeah, we have a, we have a massage table that I used a little bit. And then I bought this device that has, um, it, um, you can put it on a table or anything and it, it's like a cradle. Yeah. It's like something you can use. If you don't have a massage table, you can tuck it under your mattress and it gives you that same headrest, but Man, your eyes look pretty googly when you're laying on your face for 24 hours. Oh seven. my gosh, that so! But are you yeah. feeling okay? Like how? Uh, well, how are they? 
<laughs> it's weird because, um, you know, one, one half of my vision is just this, uh, it's like looking through a bubble and it floats around. It's my, I was 90% gas when they started. It looks like it's maybe about 70% gas. So I'm starting to see the top of the bubble in my eye, but it's almost, it, it almost makes you close your eye. I'm doing my best Popeye routine. So you have a visual, David. I look like Brad Pitt. And Roby looks like Angelina Jolie, just so you can get a visual in your head. Cause I know you can't. I got it. Well. I got it. Love it. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> just in case you can't see us, that's exactly what it looks like. So we're that's okay. just so you know. <laughs> I've got Barbara here with me too. Hello, Hi. how are you? Hi, how are you? I'm great. How are your eyes? Good. Both eyes are great too. <laughs> love it well what an intro scott i'm so excited um we have david and barbara here with us on the podcast i'm from village garden which is just recently been written up in food and wine you guys are like the i don't know the king and queen of tomatoes it seems like right now which is um you always have been but i'm so glad food and wine has noticed so welcome to eat at virginia obviously it's the tomato the summer of tomatoes and you all are right in the middle of it so how are the tomatoes growing the tomatoes are awesome it's been a really nice year we had a, a great spring um it's a little weird though because you remember that cold spell we had in late april and may and we actually had a frost that was came very near to us um the third week of april and it slowed the early tomatoes down but it didn't affect the mid-season and late season tomatoes so um they all came in or are coming in uh, as normal so we are we are literally swimming in tomatoes over here we need you to come and eat a sandwich. I got to tell you, it's, that is one of my goals is to swim in tomatoes. Like, I can, that, that sounds so, like ex exactly what I want to do for quite some time. So I'm, I'm a little jealous of you guys, I have to say. So give us like a, how many tomato plants you all have and what that will produce. There's this about 1,600 tomato plants out here. Um, we plant on an acre uh, but it's an intensively planted acre. We really don't have a yard here. You, you, you can just barely get the tractor around our beds. Um, and then we also have several hundred chili plants too. We, we, uh, we do love to light it up with, with hot, uh, hot chilies. So we are, we're Solanache fans here. <laughs> I love it. I, I am too. I'm fans of you being fans. <laughs> so that's, that's helpful for me. Yeah, it's such an interesting plant group, you know. Solanaceae has, uh, has um, 2,800 different um, uh, iterations of, of plants uh, all over the planet. They're on every, every continent but Antarctica. Our Americas are the ones that produce the, um, the tomato and the chilies. They came from Western part of South America and the and Central America and so the the Aztecs and Incas along with giving us corn that they made from grass they made these beautiful tomatoes they called them tomatils um, out of this little pea-sized thing that grows in the forest uh, as a vine so it's it's pretty crazy that's now it's all over the planet and it's uh by the way it's America's or not America's the world's favorite fruit it's the top tonnage uh, fruit in um, in the world above bananas is that right wow. 
Yeah, yeah. Don't tell the bananas. <laughs> <laughs> Those bananas—they're—they're they're pesky when they feel like they're being they threatened. They get bananas. <laughs> and you asked—you asked how 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 you know I, we've never really measured tonnage, but we certainly grow well over a ton, maybe a couple of tons of tomatoes. Um, you know, we're we're able to get them out to restaurants pretty early. We plant as early as you possibly can. I, I jokingly tell people if I saw a weather forecast that said no chance of frost uh, within two weeks and I saw it in December, we'd probably run out and plant some tomato plants. Uh, guaranteed to lose them, but we take a chance. We all, you, you gotta take a chance on love. I, I have a confession to make to you guys. I realize that I'm just meeting you now for the first time. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna be open and I'm gonna be honest because this is the new post pandemic me. I'll be open and honest, Scott. Um, I was a picky eater growing up and my parents did not really push me to uh, try new things. Unfortunately, tomatoes were one of those things that I, for whatever reason, kind of refused to eat as a kid uh, and never really was um, you know, prompted to eat it. So for me, a tomato was a limp like thing I took off of a hamburger or it was uh, something I removed from a salad so I could get to the cheese and the croutons. Mm -hmm. So I need you guys to talk to me like I'm in third grade Tell me how many tomatoes there are. Tell me the best ways that I should be using tomatoes in my daily life. There are literally thousands of different varieties of tomatoes. Um, and so you can really do almost anything with a tomato. You're, you're, I, I know you both are familiar with the dinner series, the tomato dinner series paired with Barbersville wine that we're doing this summer. And we have so far, Barbara, what have we had? We've had tomato upside down cake. We've had tomato parfait and green gazpacho, which was one of my favorites. Yeah, we've and, had uh, uh, pesto yeah. pie. Was it sauces and sweet things? Powdered tomato. I've never had yeah. powdered tomato. Yeah. It's delicious. Yeah, you can do so much with it. There's but so so many hundred yes. varieties. But also, um, with all the different varieties of tomatoes, I'll, sometimes I ask people. Well, what don't you like about it? Sometimes it's a texture thing. Sometimes it's, you know, just the flavor. And with tomatoes, you can find a different texture and a different flavor out of a different tomato. You know, the, I found out, like his daughter um, didn't like tomatoes and she found out she liked the green zebras. After trying, you know, being here and reluctantly trying tomatoes, David offered, and she finally found one that she liked. But you know, Scott, you're not you're not alone. Um, the early Europeans used to think of tomatoes as poisonous too. Oh wait, I didn't go that far. I didn't say yeah. they were poisonous. <laughs> yeah, it was his family. <laughs> they did. They did. They um, they. They used pewter plates in those days, and tomatoes are acidic. It's one of the reasons you can use uh, uh, regular canning methods with them, because they have so much acid. And the acid would interact with the pewter on plates and, and make it all these weird you know, colors. And people said, there it is. That's a poison. Don't eat it. Wow. Uh, and they grew them as ornamentals. They were first grown as ornamentals uh, when they were brought back from the Americas. That's crazy. I mean, yeah. I knew they were acidic, but I never knew that they were thought of as poisonous. So yeah, well, in fact, in fact, Roby, um, the the actual plant material from a tomato is poisonous. Um, it's not a real, real deadly poison, but the tomamine and solamine in the leaves and stems can cause reactions to folks that have autoimmune disease. So 
Um, it inherits some of those characteristics of other sold in AHA, like the belladonna, um, the poison in the, in the Middle Ages, and uh, datura, the jimson weed that has been used in religious ceremonies uh, because of its psychedelic effects. Um, I want that tomato. Kind of, That's the one that I want. Yeah, to you want that tomato? Yeah. Me too. Me too. <laughs> I actually really love the smell of tomato stems and leaves. I think the smell of it is amazing. I don't know what it is. I, I, I know I'm weird, but there used to be a candle, like at maybe at like some major candle place that was like tomato leaves. And I don't know, it just smells delicious. So how should I be storing my tomatoes? This is like a big thing, not in the refrigerator, right? Never, never refrigerate a tomato unless, unless you've cut it and it's the end of the night and it's going to be sitting there on the counter and be an oozy mess in the morning. <clears throat> it's fine then to throw those slices in your fridge and put it in your eggs tomorrow. Um, but it's going to change flavor and texture if you refrigerate a tomato. So our tomatoes are, we baby them. We, um, we pick them and we bring them directly into our English basement. And they live in a dark room. Uh, you might have seen some of the videos on Instagram. Of, You've been of sending them videos. to me and I love them so much. I'm going to, yeah. I need to get you to actually send me one so we can put it on our Instagram to show where you guys are storing your tomato babies. Can do, can do. And if you love that smell, you'd love to go in that dark room because it just seems like heaven in there. Yeah, and we're working with the plants every day. We have to pick every morning and every evening or we're gonna lose fruit to all the critters that live. We, we have a copse of forest all around us. Uh, we have 10 acres here, but we only grow on an acre. And uh, we have pretty dense forest and it's, it's pretty much a bird paradise. The rest of our property is, uh, uh, is visited by the Kersey Creek, which is a really large creek. It's the one that took out the 301 bridge in the 2004 hurricane, took out 301, that major artery for six months while they rebuilt the bridge. That creek is the, uh, is the northern boundary of our property. But it's also what, what gives us this God-given soil. It's amazing soil here. I was going to ask about that. So for those who don't know, you guys are in Hanover County, is that correct? Even more specifically, we are east of the fall line in Hanover County. There's plenty of Hanover County that really does not have our soil. If you're, if you're west of I-95, you're on the other side of the fall line, and you don't have this glorious coastal plain soil that we have. Um, gotta love, have I love the way you guys connected that with wine and the dinners you all are doing, because tomatoes and terroir and grapes and terroir are like super, super big. And I didn't know that till you guys started this dinner. I, I didn't realize tomatoes were super affected by their soil. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the sandy soil that we have does several things. Tomatoes appreciate drainage. They, they need good drainage. They're very subject to... Uh, to different wilts and different fungal diseases. And so having that good drainage uh, helps us. And it also heats up much quicker in the, uh, in the springtime. Um, even though your atmospheric temperatures may be just fine, if, you're, if your soil temperatures are not right, your tomatoes won't take off and they may in fact just rot and die. Uh, so our, the fact that the sand heats up uh, more quickly, and then we augment that because we take uh, black landscape cloth and we cover our early beds in February, and that helps with solar gain. And so it's rare that anyone can bring a tomato to the market that's, that's field grown. There are plenty of folks that can heat up a greenhouse and, and give you a tomato any time of year. 
Uh, it won't be a great one due to day length, but they can give you a tomato almost any time of year. We try to get that earliest field grown tomato out uh, uh, as early as possible. And usually it's about the third, third week of June, we can start delivering to uh, restaurants. Although we hide a little bit at that time of year too, Roby, because we don't have enough for everybody. You're in tomato demand. We have to. Um, uh, we have folks starting to hit us up in March. When no are the tomatoes way. ready? When are they ready? Oh, that's so good though. I love that somebody gets so excited about a tomato because I really do. I love, we grow them over here at the house and we're actually having a really good year, but we can't figure out why. So I'm so glad that, it is, that I'm talking to you guys. Yeah, it's uh, this, this, we had a really nice spring for vegetative growth. Um, you know, it wasn't too hot. And so the plant, um, the plant, by the way, very much like a cannabis plant. Um, it has a, it has a vegetative stage and then it has a fruiting stage. And um, uh, if you have the right conditions in the spring, you're going to drive a lot of, of uh, leafing and uh, a lot of, of vine development. And then that's going to serve to be your solar power for your fruit. So that's why we're having such a good year this year is, uh, is the spring was really cooperative for us, even though it did, it did get a little cold. It scared us to death April 23rd, to be honest with you, because we had planted pretty much all of our crop. Um, one, of the, one of the other problems for us is we don't have enough growing space to really succession plant. And so we have our row covers and everything all ready and on notice. If we see frost coming, we're going to run out there and cover as much as we could. And we did do that uh, April 23rd. Uh, fortunately, the frost didn't get here. We're on a little bit of a slope that feeds down into the creek. Uh, but we have uh, neighbors that were less than a thousand yards away that lost their entire gardens. Oh, my gosh. I can hear in your voice how much you guys love what you do. I mean, the, the passion really is coming out um, through, your, through your voices and the stories you're telling. Where did that start? Like, how does one get into the tomato game? How did you land in Hanover? I love that question, Scott. How does one get into the tomato game? I think Barbara and I were probably born with a little bit. It's in my DNA. No one eats more tomatoes on this planet than my 96-year-old mom. Do not set the the tomatoes next to her at dinner because they may not make it around the table. Um, uh, but we we both have childhood memories of, of crawling around in a garden before we could walk. Um, my family was a coal mining family uh, in Southwest Virginia. And we uh, canned and we you know put up food for, for our table. It was important to us uh, growing up. And uh, even though later on I, I, I got into the healthcare business, I was a healthcare executive for a long time, I guess 35 years, um, but I always had a garden. And when I built our house out here in 2005, I built a large greenhouse as a part of it. And so I've always been growing um, and tomatoes, there's just nothing in the whole fruit kingdom that has that sort of diversity and flavors and textures and sizes and shapes. Um, it's just phenomenal. And you can never learn enough about tomatoes. So um, it's, I'm, I'm still a student. I'm still um, just really experiencing different varieties every year and different ways to prepare things. Um, it's, it, it is a love affair. And the last 10 years or so, it's really been um, exponentially amped up because we've been able to work with so many fantastic chefs 
um, throughout Richmond and, and going into Charlottesville and Virginia. We have a restaurant from Virginia Beach that comes and picks up tomatoes. Um, our tomatoes are ferried out to Charlottesville on Tuesdays. Uh, and we're just able to work with so many cool people that, that love these fruits as much as we do. So it's, it, it, it's easy to be passionate. But we, 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 David has also met, had these chefs fall in love with this fruit. You know, I'm sure they appreciated it. And, but he's like um, David Dunlap at the wine series said, you know, he, he told the people, he, he told the people. <laughs> he came down he, from the mountain and he told the people. I can see him doing that too. I can see him doing that. You know, Roby. I do. And you know what? I've listened to him too. <laughs> he came down today. So there's that. Go that way. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yes. But David really stood up and said, you know, he taught me about the tomato. You know, it made it more interesting and more probably, you know, fun to cook and probably helped with giving him ideas of what to do with them, you know, learning yeah, we, about them. We really need to play tomato jeopardy with our, with our chef uh, uh, community. It would be a lot of fun. You know, uh, we brought in, typically we'll bring in a 10 pound flat of tomatoes to a chef and they'll have maybe 25 or 30 different tomatoes in it. And, um, and they're like, what's this one? What's that? What's this one like? What's this one? What's this one? And, uh, and of course it prompts me to learn more about it too. And, and these, um, you know, we're talking a lot about us, but we're not that important. The fruit's what's important. And this fruit is, uh, it's just so amazing. There's so many iterations of it and they continue to, to be bred. They're really, they're new varieties that are really cool, but the really most interesting thing for me is the heritage. Uh, you know, you can trace these tomatoes back to, you know, the 1800s. You can, you know, you can find out that, you know, uh, uh, Granny Cantrell got this tomato from a, from a soldier, uh, brought it back from Europe in World War I, and it's the only tomato that, that she ever grew. Um, or there's Aunt Ruby out there. There's, uh, there's uh, Grandma Oliver. There's uh, Radiator Charlie, who grew the mortgage lifter and paid off his, uh, his uh, house. I love that story. Car. Yeah, there's just so many cool things about it, you know. Um, there's a lot to learn, and and I continue to read about it, research about it, um, both the kind of folk folklore side of it, of how uh, you know people came about these different varieties, and also just you know the the science and botany uh, piece of it. it's extremely important uh, to 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 learn for me. Um, Cool facts, you know, tomatoes are bisexual. So if anybody ever had any doubt about that being the realest thing in nature, you know, it starts from plants and goes throughout, uh, throughout animals and plants and, and, and so forth. Um, you know, just a, there's a lot to learn. There's a lot to learn. So I'm a, I'm a beginner at this. I'm, I'm still working on it. We plant about a, probably another dozen or so varieties every year. That's how we've gotten to this crazy 200 different types of tomatoes out here. Um, we started our first year with 53 varieties and we thought, man, that's a lot of tomatoes. 10 years ago. <laughs> 10 and years every ago, year. man. Yeah. 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 Well, every we, at, right after we met, we met in fall and um, summer, end of summer and we started planting plants in um, February because we wanted to do the farmer's market. We shopped the um, south of the James Farmer's Market, and we just thought it was really cool. That was when Victoria was there slinging our pizzas with pizza tonight. Yeah. You no, know, it was, it's um, Ken's Lemonade. He's still there. 
And it's just, it was, a, it has been a really wonderful experience being a part of the farmer's market. We, I, there's more people there that I would call to get me out of jail than my own family. <laughs> I mean, great people. And um, that's kind of how it started. And after the market, we would wonder, you know, we'd have all these tomatoes. First, we had plants. We did great on those. Didn't buckle them down one time in the back of the trailer and got halfway there and thought about it and looked in the back of the trailer and lost almost every plant. Mm. So we had to turn around, not do that market. But after the market on Saturdays, we would finish and we'd have all these tomatoes and we just would pull up to Saison to you know, at the time, Roosevelt um, was really taken off. Um, and now there's L.Y. Just so many, so many. I could go on and on. And we would park on the sidewalk and Dave would run in and um, I'd wait in the car and he'd ask if the chef could come out. And you know, Roby, it's hard to get a chef to stop what they're doing. You better have something in your pocket. Good. <laughs> yes. You better have something. <laughs> they were really eager to come out. And, and, you know, when they'd look and see this, you know, this, this, truckloaded jewelry it's yeah. so it's so beautiful to look at all these different colors and shapes and so unusual such an expression in nature that uh it's hard to resist it's hard to resist hard for us to resist hard for a great chef to resist you were talking earlier about hanover in the soil is that really what it is i mean that's the that's the differentiation that's the difference maker there are a lot of things that we do that we think make our tomatoes special um but it starts with what god gave us to work with um, we're, 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 as I said, we're coastal plain here, but we're where the coastal plain meets the Piedmont. And so there's, there's uh, lots of, uh, lots of sand, but there's also red clay and, and clay is one of the most nutritious soils. It's just locked up. It's very difficult for plants to access because it's so dense. And so you combine this sandy soil that we have with the, with um, the red clay and then our, 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 of 10 acres was never farmed before because it really does lie right on the creek. And uh, although we do find a lot of Native American artifacts here, but um, the, um, the old forest loam that's been shed here from the trees, um, it makes it incredibly fertile. And so we have kind of that perfect trifecta of nutrition and drainage, fertility, and then we have an old forest all around us. So we have the old forest biome that's, that, that continues to feed the soil. You know, mycelium from mushrooms goes for forever. Um, and we have lots of mushrooms out here in the, in the, uh, in the forest too. So and some of the downsides of it is we have every critter known to man. We have to feed a lot. Uh, we have to feed a lot of people uh, and also a lot of animals. Um, we have deer and, ra and, and raccoons and rabbits. They're eating fossils. well, sounds like. Sounds like they're all eating they well. They are eating well. We, we find fruit every day that they've taken a bite or oh. two out of. When it's that nice two-pound brandy wine, you want to cry. <laughs> I bet. I can see where Virginia and Virginians could be very proud of uh, Hanover tomatoes. You know, they're the best in the world. They're the best in the country. Is that true, yep. or are we just like yep. in our Virginia bubble? No, no. I, I really think it's true. We're <clears throat> we are um, from a latitude perspective. We are really not too hot, not too cold. Um, we get about the right amount of rainfall, although this year I wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't uh, say that that's been the case. It's been really hot and dry. Uh, and then we irrigate too. So if we, if we are uh, beset with a, with a drought, we can, we can do something about that. Uh, although the extreme heat is a problem, um, you know, even though you're irrigating, the heat can sunburn the plants and the fruit. So it has been hotter lately than we like. 
Um, the other thing that the heat does is it inhibits fruit development. The, the tomato won't fruit over 80 degrees. They typically fruit at night when the, uh, when the temperatures get lower. But as we all know, the last few weeks, our nights have been in the 80s too. And so we've got this huge first fruit set, but um, uh, you know, the fruit's been taking a pause here lately. We're hoping we get another little cool spell and, and drive things. But uh, no, Virginia, Virginia as a whole is, is well situated, but Hanover in particular, because of the soil is, is incredibly, uh, incredibly fortunate place to, to, to live if you love a tomato. And how does that translate to the plate? I mean, how can I sit, to, I mean, can I sit down and say, this is a Hanover tomato or am I not gonna know unless I know? Um, unless you know. Yeah, it's uh, that, that's hard know. to say. I mean, you know, we you're you're going to find a consistently delicious tomato coming from our farm, uh, and you may or may not find a cons consistently delicious tomato coming from another soil type. Um, and we have and also our variety. That's a that's usually yeah. what people don't do, or what you're not going to find is a variety of tomato that's what you're more likely not going to find and and don't you i mean you're like me i'm sure you eat with your eyes as much as your, your your tongue so if you've got these beautiful fruits there and uh the textures are perfect and the colors are beautiful um you know that's certainly going to amplify it but um yeah i do think i i think the the geologists would tell you that we have a huge leg up now, whether or not, you know, you can get a, a, a tomato in Florence that's going to be as nice as this one, I'm sure you can get a great tomato in Florence mm -hmm. anytime, uh, any season. Uh, so I don't know that you'd really be able to sit down on a blind tasting and have a clue. Okay. But um, if you found a tomato, if you found tomatoes that didn't, didn't, didn't taste as good, um, they're probably not a Hanover tomato. They're probably from Caroline or probably Spotsylvania or something Luvanna. like that. Yeah, those jerks. Luvanna, yeah. Yeah. Jerks over there. Yeah. yeah There's shoddy tomato planters and Floyd. <laughs> we we employ a lot of natural methods here too. One of the things that we we don't do that we really wish we could, we just don't have uh, we don't have the space for it. We don't succession plant. And we don't we're not able to that's because of the limitations on our on our acreage. Um, and we also monocrop, which is a big no-no in, in farming. Um, essentially, your disease will build up in your soil. So you really shouldn't plant a tomato in the same place uh, for about five years. We plant tomatoes in the same bed every year. So what we do to counteract that is we put a very thick layer of uh, compost, compost that's been well-turned and it's, it's sterilized. Um, and a lot of the disease that will occur in a tomato plant occurs during these heavy thunderstorms that we get when the soil splashes up, the little microbursts of soil that will come up and, uh, and coat the leaves when we have the thunderstorms. By virtue of the fact that we have four or five inches of compost on top of our beds, that's not the same soil they've been growing in. So that helps us uh, from a disease perspective. And then we have amendments. Uh, we do, we use rock dust, we use uh, bone meal, we use blood meal, we use kelp. Um, we, do, we do give them um, fish emulsion early on in, their, in their, uh, their, their growing season. So we, we do as much as we can to help them along and get them healthy. Uh, but inevitably your tomato plant is going to succumb to, the, to disease or frost. That's just uh, always the case in, in this, climate region. Tomatoes actually that are grown in uh, 
in tropical climates can live for up to 20 years. Wow. Uh, it might not be a very edible tomato. Uh, it's more the old wild type of tomato, but, but the, the vines can grow as well as uh, chili plants. They can grow for 20 years and we keep chili alive. We have chili that's several years old. It's lignified just like a, just like a tree bark. Wow. Well, you have to come out. I am coming. I'm coming. I want to swim in tomatoes. Are you kidding? I'm 100% coming. <laughs> That's like everything I want. Seriously. It is the so hot tomato a, summer, Roby. It is the oh, hot yeah. Summer. It's going to be hot tomato all over Roby summer. That's how it's going to go. <laughs> I'm ready for that. So as an immature tomato planter, like someone who plants like, you know, two, three plants a year, what are like some big things that I need to do and some massive don't do that, Roby, that'll kill your tomato plant immediately. Well, um, some things to do is to make sure your soil is a good temp. So your soil has to be at least 60 and they really don't like it until it hits about 65 to 70. So you need to make sure your soil is warm enough when you put it in. So if you're trying to have an early tomato, you might go out and put a little black plastic on your bed early on, let that sun uh, heat it up. Uh, you want to make sure your soil is balanced, your pH is right, you have uh, lime if you need it. Lime basically is just rock dust. Um, it, it's not really a chemical additive. Um, and uh, we, um, we plant very deep. All the little hairs on your, uh, your tomato plant, um, it's, 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 a, it's called a decumbent vine. A tomato actually wants to grow along the ground and then put its tips up. And everywhere it touches the ground, have you ever noticed when it touches the ground, if you pull it up, you've got roots there? Well, um, your key to, to getting a good root system at the very beginning is to plant that tomato as deeply as you can. So all the little hairs on the side of that tomato plant will become roots for you if you get it down deep. So you can actually pinch, don't strip, you don't want to strip your, your uh, stalk, but pinch the lower leaves off of your, your tomato stalk until you're only left with the crown. And then you put that crown, you put it down into the soil all the way down to the crown. It, it's almost counterintuitive. People don't normally plant a plant that way. And you don't plant chilies that way, but uh, tomatoes will actually develop a root system all the way up the plant, all those little hairs. Wow. Uh, and then make sure it's happy, you know, give it, give it a little fertilizer. We do, we do a lot of mixing of our own amendments because it's, it, we use a lot, it's less expensive for us. Uh, we will buy some amendments sometimes. Uh, we always use organic if we do. Uh, and uh, we fertilize when we plant. And then when we get our first flush of blossoms and fruit coming, we fertilize again. And uh, you know, that's important to give it the right nutrition. A um, couple of other things about growing, depending on your tomatoes, you may or may not want to sucker them. Suckering is when you take those lower, um, those lower branches that come out that tend to, to be uh, growing out in the, into, the, into the sidewalk um, and you cut those off. Uh, there are two basic types of tomatoes. There's a bush type tomato, which is actually a newer type tomato. It's not the way tomatoes grew wild in the, in the Amazon. Uh, and then there's the vining type tomato, which will grow, I think the world record for vining type tomatoes uh, was like 67 feet. Wow. So they'll, they'll get tall. Um, but your bush type tomato, you do not want to sucker that tomato. If you, if you take uh, branches off the, the bush type, the determinate tomato, you're just removing fruit. 
on the vining tomato, it's going to keep growing and keep that tip's going to keep putting out uh, additional shoots and it's going to keep growing. And so you can sucker that tomato and not really, not really uh, hurt your, your, uh, your harvest. Um, the other thing is your, your determinate bush type tomato typically will give you a huge harvest all at once, then maybe one more little flush and then it's finished. It will actually, it's dies. It's, it's finished. It's natural light, uh, uh, natural life cycle. Whereas your vining tomato will continue to give you fruit until something kills it, uh, frost or disease typically. Wow. We want to give you guys time to get back on the farm and save these tomatoes. I, we, I know you've, we've kept you for a little bit this morning. We appreciate your time. I just have one more question personally for you guys. Sure. Um, if we are unable to come to the farm and bathe in tomatoes like Roby is planning on doing, and we cannot meet you in a, at a farmer's market, who are some of the chefs around town? What are some of the restaurants who are, who are buying your tomatoes and, and putting them on the plate for people? Uh, it's a long list, um, both new and old, um, starting on Church Hill, um, Alewife, Metzger, Cobra Burger, Eight and a Half. Um, who else Oro. is up there? Um, Oro uses them at Hatch. Um, uh, Le Maire at the Jefferson's been a great customer for 10 years. Saison, um, can't believe how many tomatoes that little restaurant pumps out. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, Joe Sparata has been a huge fan of our tomatoes at Heritage. Um, he told me uh, he only had 50 people in his first night of reopening on Friday. He said he sold 35 tomato appetizers. <laughs> so, um, and geez, Shagbark. Um, I hate to leave anybody out. There's so many. Uh, Palladio at, uh, at uh, Barbersville Vineyards. Zoe's in Virginia Beach. Um, Oh, geez, who else? I know. Um, That's enough to get me through hot tomato summer. I think, <laughs> I think I'll, I'll try those places and then I'll, I'll the call you back and ask again. Um, yeah, they're, they're all over. Uh, it's really hard to keep up with. And then we, we continually have new people who, who hit us up. And depending upon the harvest time, it's like, well, we, we may have some for you in a few weeks. It just, it just depends on how what our volume is right now we are literally swimming in tomatoes we're approaching peak season over the next couple of weeks so mm -hmm. if you do want to come swim in tomatoes um come on gotta, out gotta do it now <laughs> hit, us, hit, hit up one of the fantastic chefs out there that uh that we love so much and and rva loves so much we've got such a great dining community they have you guys have a couple more summer tomato psalm dinners coming up correct um summer, summer psalm. we have actually five more okay there five more there have been four we have one tonight at alewife and you know bobo was so smart he got with me and said you know hey i don't want uh just mixed tomatoes i want to do this with ox hearts oh, I'm like, so oh good. Man, every, every chef in town wants my ox heart so much <laughs> you know i'm always putting Two or three or four in their boxes and their faces light up. Ox hearts are the filet mignon of tomatoes. They're incredibly meaty with very few seeds and very little gel. They're like a piece of meat. Oh, nice. And uh, the first course tonight at Alewife is going to be with ox hearts. But yeah, then uh, after Alewife, we have Lily Pearl next week. We have uh, Palladio uh, right after that on Friday. Um, we have, uh, Saison coming up the end of the, uh, end of the month. They're doing seven courses and that may actually, I think Saison's the only seat 
left in town. Wow. And they may not have it yet. They had, I think, two seats yeah. yesterday. Um, and then uh, the final of the chef dinners is at the Cork Hotel in Charlottesville. And they're doing a walk around. So they're not putting a cap on it. So I, I don't know. We might have you know something to to uh, to to rival the the uh, the great Spanish uh, tomato fight going on out there. They're <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna let uh, uh, everyone who wants to come get a ticket. So it's oh, gonna be kind of cool. I love that. Yeah. So five more to go. Five more dinners plus all of hot tomato summer that's happening next week. You guys have lots of tomatoes in the Duke's mayonnaise. Um, like they have a little event happening all next week and you guys have like all sorts of tomatoes in that. So I have an incredibly personal question. Yes. If nobody is watching you, you know, you're, if nobody's looking at you, which is like my favorite way to eat stuff because then I can just make things however I want, right? How are you eating your tomato? And what tomato are you eating? Oh, wow. Well, uh, if no one is watching, this is personal. I know, I know. Only tens well, of thousands of, all, of people are going to hear this. First of all, the only place we ever eat a perfect tomato is at one of our chefs. Um, we do have seconds all the time. You got something that's a little critter bit or something's a little too cracked or something that, that uh, got too much moisture and, and split on you. Those are our tomatoes. Those are what we eat on our table because we're, we want our chefs to have the most beautiful and perfect. And then as far as what we're eating, I mean, it's everything Mine. known to man. Mine's the green sausage. Yeah, she loves the green sausage. Yeah, but I, and it's just with salt and pepper, just straight up green sausage. <laughs> I could I could more easily tell you tomatoes that that I'm not crazy about than tomatoes that I that I am. It would take a long it would be a long podcast to tell you about all the tomatoes we're crazy <laughs> about, uh, Roby. But we we eat a lot of mater sandwiches with Duke's mayonnaise here. Um, and we eat a lot of sauces. We keep a pot of sauce going. Um, and if you can keep my mom, you might not get any tomatoes if my mom's at the table. So, <laughs> well, I love it. You're listening to Eat It Virginia with David and Barbara of Village Garden and Roby and Scott. Thank you for having Thank us. You. And come swim in some tomatoes. Are you kidding? I'm so ready. <laughs> That's so beautiful. Thank well, you guys. Well, thank you for doing this. Yeah. Thank you so much. Heritage reopened. Ooh, right. I, they totally did. I went on Friday. How was that? Awesome. What did you eat? I would like to know. So first, tell me about the... So they said that was going to be a very um, little staff. Yes. Just them and um, a couple of other people. So how does that look? Is, it, is the restaurant... Does it look smaller in there? Like... Um, it's funny. I can't remember the last time I was actually in there. You know, the, the pandemic just kind of blurred all those memories, unfortunately. I heard two people in the kitchen, so Joe and one other gentleman that he posted about on Instagram, uh, who's helping him in the kitchen. Amelia was on the floor, you know, doing all, of, uh, you know, managing the floor, making sure that people got their food, making sure- Being brilliant. Yep, she was definitely running food back and forth and just kind of smoothing things over where things needed to be smoothed. Probably three servers. So it was oh, probably great. a smaller staff than normal. It felt loose in there, it felt airy. They had new art on the wall, which was which was gorgeous and uh, notable. Yeah, you better talk about what you had to eat because people well, are gonna get pissed. So I have my favorites <laughs> at Heritage. I had the broccoli, you know, which, oh, was, which is always on the menu. They're doing a price fixed menu, so you order a first course, second course, you know, appetizer course, a main sure. course, and a dessert. 
So it was broccoli, it was pasta uh, with shrimp and tomatoes from Village Garden. Nice. Yeah, tying it all together. And a trio of sorbet for dessert. So it was awesome, lovely. I believe they're booked all the way through September. They're only open Friday and Saturday nights, I believe, right now. If you're able to make a reservation, do so in the early fall, late summer, early fall, and enjoy your meal. Do you eat escargot? I would likely never go to a restaurant and order escargot. However, I have been to a restaurant and it has been ordered for the table and I have eaten it. And that's my answer. <laughs> so what is it, it about? It tastes like butter and tastes like butter and bread. That's basically what it tastes like. So you're not, you're for it or you're against it? Like I said, if it's on the table and everyone's eating it, I will partake. I'll enjoy. Uh, I just wouldn't like order it as like, oh, escargot's on the menu. It's good. That's what I'm getting tonight. So why is that? Because there are likely other things on the menu that I would enjoy more. Ah, Interesting. So I had my first experience with Shea Max, which, you know, has been open for 25 years or some wild thing. I mean, I maybe have been previously, but if I do, it's not in my memory stores and had the best escargot I've had in a very long time. And I like escargot. (laughs) Was it buttery and served on bread? Uh, I think that most escargot is essentially soaked in butter, loaded up with garlic and put somewhere near a starch. Yeah, <laughs> so, right, so yes. So yes. Um, it actually was, you had, it was, it was cool preparation, but there was lots of snails in there. So I've always wondered what people thought about snails, because I guess maybe it's something that you have to be prepared for. Speaking of prepared for, oh my gosh, we got to talk about this. I was ill prepared for this. I finally had my bro date with Bobo. What? Yes. What? Yes. Yes. I, at an undisclosed location, Chef Bobo from Ale Life and I met with two other individuals. Why does this sound like the secret restaurant service? Chef Bobo prepared the dinner for- Why? It was this, undisclosed and you're group. not allowed to tell me because of me? No, no, not because of you. This is a podcast. Oh. We have tens of thousands of people listening to our <laughs> podcast. You know, I don't okay. want to blow this place up. Anyway- okay. Chef Ale Bobo. wife, he preferred to prepared it at Ale wife. No, 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 no. It wasn't at Ale wife. This is undisclosed location. <laughs> undisclosed. Wife. <laughs> okay. This is nothing Keep to do going. with Ale. This is nothing to do with Ale wife other than. But it the- does. He's the chef of Ale wife. Keep going. That's and the listen. only thing that has to do with Ale wife. <laughs> anyway, shows up with three dishes. One is chicken, uh, like chicken legs, right? Like big honking, like Korean grilled. I don't chicken. know. You ate them. What ate chicken legs? <laughs> Another, another thing was like a stewy, pasta-y, rice dish that was just delicious. The third thing that he uncovered was a baking dish with skewers and things on the skewers over asparagus. I didn't recognize these things. There were a lot of things on these skewers. And this I'm looking at a little weird. I'm looking at them and I'm like, what is this? They must So he just uncovered a dish with things on skewers. I mean, to me, there were things on top of asparagus. There were, to me, there yeah, were things on, for you. You probably would recognize them immediately. I had never seen this. This all ties back to my escargot conversation. So he put talk, snails on skewers. That sounds great. He did not, but <laughs> they were chicken hearts. I love them. I had never had a chicken heart before. They're delicious. This is, aren't this, they? Is, this is what I'm telling you. I would never go to a restaurant and order a chicken heart. But now you would. However, if someone brings them to dinner and they put them in front of me and I've had enough to drink, I'm going to eat a chicken heart. Oh, it has to be alcohol involved. No, they're delicious, aren't they? 
Yes. No. Okay. They're an acquired taste. How about that? It was, it's totally out of left field for me. Uh, So I was a little just shocked what what I was eating before I actually ate it. And then of course there was, it was delicious once I ate it. Did you tell Bo that's the first time you've had a chicken heart? Oh yeah. Yeah. He laughed at me. Mm. He laughed at me a lot. (laughs) I do too. He was, he was laughing with me at times and he was laughing at me at times. Same. This episode of Eat It Virginia. Eat It Virginia? <laughs> this episode of Eat It Virginia. <laughs> no! Oh, God, no.